From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. And welcome to the first Friday edition of the CQ Budget Podcast. For those who don't know, we've switched our tapings from Tuesdays until Fridays at 10 a.m., so you can look for a new podcast from us uh, going forward every Friday. And this week, we wanted to talk about the return of spending earmarks because they are making a comeback after 10 years, and it looks like Republicans are willing to play ball. These are the pet projects that lawmakers used to love to insert in spending bills uh, until 2011 when they were banned because of some corruption concerns. They are coming back this year. Democrats made clear they want them back with new safeguards um, to help spending bills along. And Jen, what did we learn this week from House Republicans on this? Yeah, so House Republicans for the last few weeks have been privately debating whether or not they would allow their members to participate in the earmarking process that Democrats brought back in the House this year for government funding bills. There's been a pretty big split in the Republican Party during the last decade when this ban has remained in place. Uh, More moderate Republicans, as well as most Republican appropriators, have really tried to advocate throughout the years for bringing back um, what they refer to as congressionally directed spending in a manner that has a lot of guardrails, a lot of transparency mechanisms, um, and is uh, controlled to address, um, you know, any potential uh, corruption issues, um, like what you were referencing, like what took place before that ban went into effect. And House Republicans, in a private meeting this week, um, actually voted to allow their members who want to to participate in spending earmarks during the upcoming fiscal year 2022 appropriations process. Yeah, and of course, that was a closed-door meeting, a closed-door vote. Any idea whether they're still divided internally over this? Yeah, there is a pretty big split amongst the House Republican Conference. Um, You have more conservative members, like the sort of far-right Freedom Caucus, a pretty big amount of members of the Republican Study Committee, um, and those who are concerned about um, the deficit spending, uh, they are predominantly opposed to this. Um, and it's unlikely that that sort of faction within the House Republican Conference will participate in the process that uh, House Appropriations Chairwoman Rosa DeLauro laid out last month. Um, And that House Republicans sort of set some additional guardrails around this week when they voted to um, amend their party rules in the House to allow their members to earmark if they choose to. But the House Republicans did go along with this earmarking because in the end, you know, I guess it's a it's always been a, a major temptation and it's pretty hard to turn down the power to direct spending where you want it to go and, and bring home the bacon for your for your district, right? And it's important for their own reelections. Yeah, I think one of the really interesting things um, about this vote this week is that it signals a pretty big shift for the House Republican Conference in the last 10 years. 
when House Republicans uh, originally banned earmarks, um, you know, when they took control of that chamber in 2011 under then Speaker John Boehner, um, you know, his personal and um, sort of policy opposition to earmarks, he really got a lot of backing from those sort of Tea Party Republicans that were coming into Congress at the time. There's been a lot of turnover and a lot of changes in the House Republican uh, conference makeup during the last decade. And one of the things that I found really interesting is that uh, House uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican of California, when he was speaking to reporters um, while this vote was actually still going on this week, uh, McCarthy said that, you know, this is really um, sort of an issue that some of the Republicans in the House have with the Biden administration. So I thought that was a really interesting framing of bringing back earmarks so that Republicans in Congress can sort of direct this spending um, and try to pull more money into their districts, which of course are more conservative-leaning districts during the Biden administration. And so I think that's going to be the narrative that we see from most Republicans going forward is that bringing back earmarks, um, at least for Republicans in the House, is a way to try to uh, control where and how the Biden administration spends federal dollars. Yeah. And of course, we should remind people that the whole reason they were banned in the first place is because Republicans endured some pretty brutal bad publicity in the early 2000s. Um, because when, when they faced corruption, they used the earmark process and got themselves in trouble. There was the famous case, of course, of Randy Cunningham, the California appropriator, uh, who pleaded guilty in 2005 for accepting almost $2.5 million in bribes, uh, pleaded guilty to tax evasion, conspiracy to bribery, mail fraud. And he had been an appropriator and was was uh, greasing the skids for these defense contractors through the earmark process. So they're bringing them back now, and they say there's new safeguards in place. Uh, were Republicans comfortable with those safeguards? Outline a little what, what kind of new, new safeguards there are here. Yeah, so when House Appropriations Chairwoman Rosa DeLauro originally announced that earmarks would be returning for the appropriations process, um, she's put out a pretty detailed outline. Um, you know, some of the provisions that are guard the guardrail provisions and the transparency provisions going forward, some of those existed um, before the 2011 ban, but a lot of them are new. Um, so just a quick snapshot of how the House um, is going to control earmarking on appropriations bills. Uh, earmarks will be capped at 1% of discretionary spending. Members will be limited to 10 requests per fiscal year, and members must show what they're referring to as community support for these projects. Uh, members must post their requests, their earmark request online at the same time they submit those to the Appropriations Committee. Members must certify that they nor their immediate family have any financial interest in the projects they're putting forward for earmarks. For-profit entities are completely banned from receiving any earmarked funds. Um, and once Congress works its way through the fiscal year 22 appropriations process and those bills are enacted, the Government Accountability Office is going to take a sample of those earmarks um, and then look at them and sort of assess um, you know, how this process went and submit a report to Congress. And so those are all of the 
um, sort of transparency and guardrails that Democrats put in place for bringing earmarks back. Um, and then the, the conference resolution that we saw House Republicans adopt uh, this week from Alabama Congressman Mike Rogers, that adds a few additional um, parameters for their members participating in this process. And so in addition to what I just listed, any House Republican um, will need to, who wants to request an earmark has to say in writing, um, you know, their justification for why that project is an appropriate use of taxpayer funds. And then there's also a parameter in there that's new for Republicans um, that says, um, you know, the Republican conference or the Republican leaders on the appropriations committee, um, quote, shall not give consideration to a member's seniority, committee assignments, or position in the elected leadership when facilitating a request made pursuant to this order, end quote. And so Republicans who want to participate in the earmarking process are going to have a few additional requirements. Yeah, so they don't want it to be based on seniority. The more senior members get more projects or something like that. Um, they're trying. It sounds like they're trying to give everyone an even shot at these, right? Um, and then when you say no for-profit companies can get earmarks, so so businesses can't get can't win anything through this process. Now this is only for public works projects, nonprofit groups, that kind of thing. Yep, exactly. Okay. So those are new safeguards um, that supposedly would make this process more palatable and, I guess, more transparent, right? Because they have to disclose these things in advance, um, whereas, whereas uh, in the previous go-round on these, projects would just show up in the spending bill unannounced. All of a sudden, you'd have to dig through the bill and find them, and all of a sudden, there they were. Uh, and no one knew they had even been put in. Now they have to be disclosed in advance. So the, the process should be more transparent here. Um, whether that's enough to make everybody comfortable, we're going to have to see. It's going to be an interesting test case this year because it's been a decade since they've, since they've done this. Of course, it is, it is tiny spending uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, right? I mean, you, you you mentioned Deloro's guideline that earmarks can't amount to more than 1% of all discretionary spending. So it's a tiny percentage of, of the money that, that they uh, deal with every year. But of course, it can be politically potent. Um, you know, if you bring home millions of dollars for a project in your district, it gives you something to tout and it's it's important to those to your constituents. So it takes on greater meaning than the actual dollar values here. So the House is going to try this. We don't know how it's going to work yet, but it's a little more iffy still in the Senate, Jen, right? Where does that stand? Well, to a certain degree, yes, and to a certain degree, no. So Senate Appropriations Chairman Pat Leahy um, and Appropriations Ranking Member Richard Shelby, they have been talking for a few weeks now about how to bring back earmarks in that chamber. Uh, Leahy um, really, really wants to do this in a bipartisan way over there where there could be potentially a joint statement from himself and Senator Shelby saying this is exactly how we're going to bring back earmarks um, and laying out how that process will work in the Senate. Um, you know, Leahy has, has said that he... Um, is definitely going to bring back earmarks for fiscal year 22 
And he has said that he's willing to dedicate about half of the earmarked funds in that chamber to Republicans if they want to participate. But Senate Republicans are still kind of going through those behind-the-scenes conversations and looking towards a vote in their own conference, similar to one that House Republicans had this week. Because in Senate Republican Party rules, they also have a ban in place preventing their members from earmarking in a similar way to the one that House Republicans had in their party rules in the House. And so we know that Republican appropriators in the Senate have started having some behind-the-scenes discussions about this and, um, you know, what it could look like for senators going forward. Uh, But it sounds like in terms of the broader Senate Republican conference, they have not yet had any type of sort of official debate within one of their, you know, weekly lunches or anything like that. And we don't yet know when Senate Republicans might vote to amend or augment or even remove uh, the ban they have um, for their members participating in the earmarking process. And so all of that very much continues to work itself out behind the scenes. Yeah, because Mitch McConnell, I thought, has said that he didn't think most of his members in the Republican caucus want earmarks, right? Yeah, McConnell has been very classic McConnell on this. He's choosing his words very carefully. Um, He has not committed really one way or another um, to coming out very publicly um, on one side or the other of this debate. It sounds like he's going to let, you know, he himself is an appropriator in the Senate. He's on that committee. And so, you know, this is something that he... um, you know, will be very much a part of the debate on once it really gets going amongst the broader Senate Republican conference. And so, um, you know, this could be one of those situations where Senate Republicans remove their ban and then their members are free to participate or not participate in the process. Um, When McConnell was asked about this at a press conference, I believe it was a month or two ago, it was a little while ago on the Hill, he did say at the time that he wanted to see what House Republicans did first. Um, And, you know, in terms of reading between the lines on that, um, that was essentially McConnell saying he didn't want the parties most likely to be in opposite places. Um, And so I do think Senate Republicans will have to address this going forward, but I'm not entirely sure uh, how they will do that or whether or not the votes are there to change that Senate Republican ban. Yeah. And then I guess if Senate Republicans are the only ones not at the garden party here, it might be harder and harder for them to resist joining, right? Because everyone else will grab a share of the goodies except, except them. Yeah, this is really the argument that we've been hearing from Republicans who support a sort of controlled, transparent uh, return to earmarking um, for meritorious projects, which is a word we've heard from Shelby several times during the past couple months. He wants wants to ensure that if earmarks return in the Senate, that they're only for what he refers to as meritorious projects. And so... Um, he doesn't want them to go to sort of frivolous, um, you know, line items. And so I think that's going to be another thing um, going forward is that, you know, we've also heard from Shelby um, and others that, you know, if you have Democrats in the House and Senate and you now have Republicans in the House being able to really try to advocate for their districts and 
um, projects or potentially infrastructure in their districts that's been sort of languishing for years. If Senate Republicans just sit this out, one of the arguments we've heard is that they're sort of just, you know, tying one of their hands behind their back, um, especially looking forward to the 22 elections. You know, Republicans really want to gain control of the Senate chamber again. And so this is potentially one thing that could help some of their members. Um, And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they debate this in the next few weeks. Well, it certainly will be worth watching and and see how this plays out and how many earmarks get approved and and how the process actually works, um, because it's been a decade. So uh, plowing new ground here, and we'll be watching it for you very closely. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.